The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been a race like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast, opening day 2017! Yo, Phillies Nation! Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. My name is Tim Malcolm. I'm the editorial director of philliesnation.com. It's opening day 2017. We have made it. We're here. The Phillies take on the Cincinnati Reds today at 4.10 p.m. at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, the Phillies Nation podcast is available on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Spreaker, on iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn Radio, and at YouTube, youtube.com slash philliesnation. Also, you can find Phillies Nation on Twitter, at Phillies Nation, on Instagram at philliesnation underscore. Apparently, somebody took the Phillies Nation account on Instagram, so it's philliesnation underscore at Instagram. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation. We'll be live tweeting today's game at Twitter. Uh, we'll be live tweeting a lot of games on Twitter, obviously. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of Instagram stuff during the year. Just keep following us because a lot of great stuff. We're going to be churning out hot takes for all to see this season. So on Saturday, I ran the Phillies 5K. I live in New York, and I drove down at 5 in the morning to go down to Philadelphia for the 5K. And it's a really great event. They have a lot of uh, Phillies folks who come and take part in it. Scott Franski and Larry Anderson are there to kind of heckle the runners as they run past on Broad Street. Dan Baker does the PA announcing, which is great because you listen to Dan Baker kind of get you ready for the race. And Tommy Green, uh, old friend of the podcast, well, old friend of the website, I should say, was there at the turn for the home stretch to kind of slap everybody's hands and say, hey, good, good, you got it, you got it, you're good, you're good. It was really a fun event. It was cold. Uh, my toes were numb in the beginning as I stood there at the starting line. We, I think we waited for about 25 minutes to get going. But once we got going, the toes started to heat up a little bit more. And it got really actually got nice running weather. It was uh, a little sunnier in the beginning of the run. And I think the weather sort of cooperated for all of us. So it was a really great day. But after the, after the race, the Phillies allow you to go on the field and take a little walk around the warning track at Citizens Bank Park. And that's, you know, I remember as a kid walking around on the warning track at Veterans Stadium, typically for POW night, Police Athletic League night at the vet. And then there'd be Kodak photo night where we would get to actually stand on the field itself, you know, quote unquote field at Veterans Stadium as it's AstroTurf, but actually stand on the turf and, you know, look at players and shake players' hands and take pictures with them. And that was always a huge thrill for me because I always wanted to be on the baseball field. And while I'm in my 30s now, it's totally still a amazing thrill to be standing out there on the field. And as I walked onto the track for the first time on Saturday, I knelt down. I picked up a little bit of the dirt there on the warning track, and I kind of smoothed it in my hands, and I smelled it a little bit. And you can smell the wind coming off the grass. And it's something that you don't get in other places. 
you know, I have a pretty decent sense of odor, I think. And um, at springtime, especially, I smell grass and I think, oh, it smells like a, a Sunday at Augusta National. It smells like a golf course. But there's something different about a ballpark and, and the grass at the ballpark and how that kind of hits your senses. It, it makes me feel really excited, but also calm and also a little romantic. And as I was walking around and looking around the park and, and it seems small when you're there at first, you know, at the level at first person, it looks really small the park. But as I'm looking around and I see the infield and I see the fences and all that great stuff, I'm thinking to myself, man, we're here and there's nothing better than this. Baseball's here for the next six months. We get to every single day, go nuts about whatever's happening with our Phillies. We have 162 games ahead of us. And that's awesome, right? Football, you get 16 games. Basketball and hockey, you get 82 games or what have you. You get 162 of these in baseball. It's every day something new. Every day something amazing. And to be able to be on that field and to see what is about to happen and to see everything is ready to go and looks beautiful again. And spring is here and it's starting to get warmer out. Finally, you just feel this great sense of renewal and the cliches are real, right? The cliches are always real at this time of year. There is renewal. There is a clean slate. There is hope. The Phillies might go 75 and 87 this year, which I think they will probably do somewhere around that. But who knows? Maybe they win 81 games. Maybe they make a run. Maybe they compete for a wild card berth in September. And we're hanging on every single pitch that Aaron Nola throws in September 13th. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be amazing. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't believe it's going to happen this year. But right now, I believe it's going to happen this year. And that's the great thing about baseball. Because right now on this day, this very day that they give you, you can believe. You can hope. Everything is new. Everything is wonderful. And so that's why we do this. That's why we talk about it endlessly. That's why we write about it endlessly. That's why we have our games that we go to and we run these races on a Saturday in a cold April day in Philadelphia because we get four free tickets to a Phillies game later on in the week. I'm going on Saturday. It's going to be amazing. It's my baby's first baseball game. It's going to be incredible. And that's what we do. And that's why we do this. As for the 2017 Phillies, and what we can expect going ahead, as I said, 75 wins is probable. It's likely. Maybe they get to 81 and shock some people, but maybe they finish at 68, 69 wins. And that's not what we hoped, but I think we're trending upward finally. Even if they win 68 games, we're trending upward. We have a lot of young players who are going to really make us excited over the course of the season. And some will fall, but some will do well. J.P. Crawford should be up sometime midseason. Nick Williams hopefully gets up here around then, if not maybe by September 1st. Jorge Alfaro, same deal. Some of the pitchers that we have, Zach Eflin, obviously Jake Thompson. Eflin, by the way, is on the DL because of his uh, injury last year. They're just starting him on the DL. But hopefully they come back to the team this year and do some really great things. Mark Appel, we'll see what he does. Ben Lively, Nick Pavetta. There's so many players that are in the lower levels that are ready to make their way up. There's a lot of excitement here in Philadelphia. For the first time in years, we have a very exciting team 
in Philadelphia. They might not be great. They might not win a lot, but they are going to be exciting. Even today, when we don't have all those prospects playing on the field today for the Phils, there is exciting things to watch. Michael Franco, can he become the power hitter that we hope he can become? Michael Saunders, Howie Kendrick, while they're veterans, they bring this new level of professionalism, of consistency to the team. Hopefully they hit the ball well. You know, same thing with the pitchers. Aaron Nola goes on Saturday. Can he come off that injury and be effective and go seven innings and be what we hope he can be? Vince Velasquez, he goes to the home opener on Friday. Is he going to be shut down Vince Velasquez? Can he strike out 10 guys in a game but also not walk more than two? I hope. We hope. But that's what we have. We have hope right now because we do have players that we can hope on. So that's really the great thing about today and about this season because in 2015, what did we have to hope on? We got Michael Franco midseason, and that was great. We got Aaron Altair late in the season, and that was really nice. But that was it. Aaron Nola as well. I should mention Aaron Nola came up in 2015. That was great too, but that was it. You know, 2016, Jared Eikhoff really got himself going, and some of the other players that we saw come up got themselves going. But now it's really starting to move, and we don't have the relics of 2011 or 2008 or whatever on this team anymore. Ryan Howard is not here anymore. Carlos Ruiz is not here anymore. Love those guys. Hope that they do well in their futures. Hopefully Ryan Howard finds a job sometime soon here. But we have a new team. It's a fresh start. It's a beautiful thing. And I really can't wait to get it going. 4.10 p.m. today is the game. Jeremy Hellickson on the mound for the Phillies. Scott Feldman on the mound for the Reds. The most likely Phillies lineup is Hernandez leading off. Kendrick second, Herrera third, Franco fourth, Saunders fifth, Joseph sixth, Rupp seventh, Galvis eighth, and then Hellickson. Let's get a win today. Let's get a couple more wins this week so that by the time we go on the podcast next week, I can talk about our 500 Phillies or maybe our four and two Phillies or something fun like that. If not, it's okay. It's totally great because it's an exciting season, but let's do it. Let's get some wins and let's start today. As far as the show today, we have Matt Breen coming on from Philly.com, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philadelphia Daily News. He's going to talk about growing up as a Phillies fan and how he transitioned that to becoming a beat reporter for the Phillies and how he has to sort of get rid of that fandom to be able to be a beat reporter. Really good conversation with him. He's a really great guy. We'll have that in a little bit. And Mike Sadowski from philliesnation.com is here to talk. He's going to talk with us later about the 2017 Phillies. But he will start talking to us right now about opening day. I'm here with Mike Sadowski of philliesnation.com. And it is opening day, as we had talked about, obviously. We know it's opening day. It's today. And, Mike, how excited are you for opening day today? I'm very excited. And I always get excited for opening day. But I I feel like I'm pretty excited right now uh, because I really think the Phillies are not going to make noise in the sense that they're going to go and take the national league by storm. But I, I I think there's going to be more people talking about this team. I think there's going to be more people interested in this team. I'm certainly more interested in this team than I was even two years ago. Um, But I, I really think it's going to be, it's going to be a better year and it's going to be a more fun year. Well, you've been to a bunch of opening days, uh, as you told me before, what is it about opening day that is just such a great thing uh, every year? It's just it, being in the parking lot is just it, it's a fantastic feeling. Everyone, 
you look around, everyone's smiling. And I know Philadelphia gets the reputation for being curmudgery or curmudgeony or whatever. And uh, never heard mean. that. Never heard that in my life. Yeah, no, no, yeah, just being mean and nasty. But you go to opening day, and everyone's happy. You look yeah. around, and people are high fiving each other. People are talking about their favorite memories of the Phillies. They're ta- uh, there actually are good memories of the Phillies now. Uh, and it's it's just it, it's a whole lot better than any other day, um, just because people are actually positive. I mean, there are going to be times when this, someone's going to say, "Oh, well, great, we're about to watch another seventy-win team," blah, blah blah. But you know what? Who cares? It's opening day. You're not at work, and that's another great thing is that it's always during the day, so <laughs> everyone is off. Everyone's skipping work to yeah. go there. Um, hopefully, by taking a PTO day beforehand, but and not trying to skip out sick. But I mean, it's everyone you're not at work you're at a baseball game there's really not that much bad that can happen when that happens that is definitely the best feeling i've been to a couple opening days myself home openers and an opening day in 2010 but you've been to i think like 13 or so uh what 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 opening days stick out for you uh in your live opening day uh viewing amusement uh, I, I there's been a bunch I, yeah since like 1996 i think i've been to like 13 or 14 opening days and I'll tell you, the first one I was at is my friends and I, I was in college in 1996, uh, and my friends and I were big baseball fans. Some were Phillies fans, not all Phillies fans, but we'd always thought, we're, we always said, hey, you can't get tickets to opening day. It's always full. It's always sold out. It's a pain in the butt. But uh, if you remember in 1996, the Phillies home opener actually got postponed because it was snowing. Um, so they played it the next day, and then me and my friends didn't have anything to do because we're in college. Um, and we, so we decided, Hey, well, we'll take a drive down see if we can just walk up and get tickets. And sure enough, we did. And I think it was only 40,000 people at the vet. Um, but my favorite thing from that game is the fact that that was the first year that they were trying to move Darren Dalton to left field. And I, I swear, like, I think Schilling struck out the first two guys. And then, but on the, the third batter, sure enough, after Dutch had made like three or four errors in left field in spring training, the ball finds him. That's what always happens. The ball finds you. And it was it was only two seconds the ball was in the air, but you could hear 40,000 people collectively holding their breath yeah. like to see what he was going to do when it got hit to him. And sure enough, it got hit to him, and the, he caught it. It was an easy line drive can of corn, but, I mean, the place just erupted <laughs> for Darren Dalton catching a, a, an easy pop fly, uh, but the place went nuts. That was fun. I, I, I remember there was... <laughs> I remember the the 1999 game with the the fight between St. Joseph's Prep and and I can't remember who the other school was. I never yeah. remember where it was, but I remember it was St. Joseph's Prep because I have a friend who went to St. Joseph's Prep and he always tells me he was at the game, which I'm sure that yeah, every every yeah every St. Joseph's Prep <laughs> everyone who ever went to St. Joseph's Prep probably yeah. says they were at oh, that I game. I went to that game, man. I just pushed yeah. out a kid from my... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think when you're St. Joseph's Prep, you're probably talking like, well, you said I was at that game. It was <laughs> But I, I do remember like them having to stop the game. It was it was a nasty fight. Like yeah. it was. If, I, I know there's like film out there and it's legendary now. But watching it, like I was sitting behind third base. It was up behind the center field, seven hundred level, eight six hundred level, I think. And boy, it, watching it real time, it, there were there was haymakers being connected, and you could see it from that far away. And you could see guys just like tumbling down rows of rows of. Of, of stands, it was nasty. nasty. And I do remember them having to stop the game for a little while because the players were turning around and watching the game or watching the fight. 
and so the umps after a while just like said, okay, hold up, we'll call this for a little bit, and they got it sorted out. But man, that was a nasty, nasty fight. That was also the game where Boys to Men was supposed to Boys Men were supposed to sing the national anthem, <laughs> but they showed up like five minutes before the game time, and uh. Phil told them thanks but no thanks, and sent them home. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so they're, we were. They're... I know we we were coming in. I remember them saying on the radio, Boys to Men's supposed to be doing this game, and. We're like what? What happened to Boys to Men? Sure, we found out later. They just like sauntered in around like that five minutes before the game time, and Philly said, "Oh, too bad, we're done." Philly said, "No time for Boys to Men." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, which is what everyone says now. But you know. <laughs> hey, they made some great hits. Um, yeah. Any any during like the golden era that that you went to? Uh, I remember like I I went to the the I was actually at the home opener in two thousand eight, um, and I remember being. It was pretty cold. It was pretty nasty. Luckily, I had a box. My brother was working at a, a place that had a box, and he was able to get us tickets. And uh, I remember getting – there was a, a, a cub reporter from the Metro uh, who was walking around looking for people in an interview, and he asked me. And uh, like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. And he's like, well, why are, you, why are you out here when it's so cold? I'm like, well, I come down here every year. And I uh, said, oh, and this is going to be my unborn child's first game. The, the mom, <laughs> my kid's mom was there. And we were, so we were there for the for the game, and she was pregnant. And that was how – and she'd only been pregnant for a couple months, and that was apparently how we told our – because like, it was still oh. like only three months, so we hadn't <laughs> told any of our friends. So that was how a lot of my friends found out that, that we were pregnant. It was because we told a reporter from the oh, Metro. He put, in, he put it in the paper the next day. <laughs> Wow, that's a, that's a new one. Yeah, um, and the, the 2000, 2007, which is the year to beat. That was that was a good one because I think I had like seats two rows back of home plate, and it was ninety degrees and it was gorgeous. Uh, they they did lose that game, but it was it was a gorgeous fun day. Yeah, they, they lose a lot of opening day games and home openers, yeah. but the, my favorite two. I went to the o uh, the t- two thousand eleven one against the Astros uh, when they obviously everybody thought they were going to have this amazing year, which they did, but they were down early to the Astros. Well, the whole game they were down to the Astros, and we were all like, "Oh my God, this game, this season is the Phillies going to be like this this yeah. year? They're going to let us down." And of course, they came back in the ninth, and John Mayberry Jr. hit a single to win the game, and it, we were all rejoicing and going to Xfinity Live or wherever we were going at McFadden's afterwards. Yeah, McFadden's. And then uh, in 2010, I went to the opening day game against the Nationals, where Roy Halladay made his uh, debut, and that was amazing. He went seven that was, strong. That was down in Washington, right? That was in D.C. We all went down. Phillies Nation, I think, actually went down, and a couple other people, and, and we saw Halladay go seven innings strong, and Polanco hit a, a grand slam, and. Boy, they killed the Nationals that day. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I remember where I was that day. I was listening on the radio because I was at the media day for the Iron Pigs. I think it was it was the second or third year they had the Phillies. But I was at that media day for a paper I was working for before, and that I was at media day trying to listen to that game at the same time for at, in Allentown. And, and I'm sure you were thinking, I don't want to talk to Andy Tracy. I want to watch this game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Mike, I will talk to you a little bit later on in the program about the 2017 season, but thank you for sharing some opening day memories and have fun watching this one today. Can't wait. Well, my guest this week on the podcast is somebody who sees the Phillies every single day as a beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly.com, the Philadelphia Daily News. 
He is from Philadelphia originally, and I, I do have to say off the bat that he has one of the strongest Philadelphia accents that I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I, I have one myself, but, man, this guy's got a really strong one to talk about it. But uh, Matt Breen, uh, beat reporter for the Phillies for the Inquired Daily News com. thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. First of all, I, I don't have an accent. Everybody else has an accent. This is a normal <laughs> way to talk. <laughs> No, I actually, like, I went to college in Boston, and I had friends who lived in, like, New York or something, and they listened to me and were like, are you from Tennessee or something? And I'm from, no, this is normal. This is totally me. Like, what are you talking about? Apparently, people get it when, when you're outside of Philadelphia. But in Philly, it's like, yeah, this is how we talk. Um, yeah, and at this point, I'm just going to embrace it. I'm not I'm not going to take classes to, you know, switch my voice or anything. No, of course not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice, like, it's a, it's a feather in your cap. Um, Thank you. So, okay, so you're from Philly, obviously. Where are you from originally? From Northeast Philly. Uh, I went to Ryan, right from right around Ryan. Um, Franklin Mills, I guess, if, you know, if you're not too uh, knowing of what the, where the Northeast is in the city. Yeah. And uh, I still live up that way. I live in Tarsdale, which is right by Holy Family. These A lot of these words are definitely hitting the accent now that you pointed it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, like, little, like, pockets of accents still in the Northeast. Um what did you like? Did you grow up like with going any? Did you play for any rec teams or anything like that? Yeah, I played for like all the uh, the CYO teams at St. Martha's, which is the grade school I went to, and then like club soccer and um, youth baseball and stuff in the neighborhood. But it was mostly CYO is what all the kids played, and that actually ran. You know, if you weren't good enough to make teams at Ryan, they had CYO basketball teams you could play with in high school, and that's what you know most of me and my friends all did. Okay. Well, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what year were you born? 88. So I graduated high school in 07. Um, we won the uh, high school CIO basketball championship in 2005. I was one of the best players on the bench. I played about three minutes a game. Nice. And I would come in. My dad was the coach. I always said I was the first coach's son that ever became, was a bench warmer. So I'll give my dad credit. He was fair. You know, I didn't deserve to play, so I didn't play at all. <laughs> did he, like, tell you here before the games? Like, did, like you're not good enough. I'm sorry. I, I just knew it. I mean, okay. I, I, it's not like I was complaining when he got home. I, I understood my role. I came in, I shot some three-pointers, missed them, went back to the bench, and was happy when we won. Okay. And my dad, actually, my dad was a coach. I played for the Portsmouth Leprechauns as a kid. Okay. And, uh, and my dad went to my key ball coach. And I think he actually kept me on key ball for an additional year so I could be the best player on the team. <laughs> key ball. <laughs> key ball, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what was it like I mean, growing up growing up in the Northeast? Did, that area, where did you guys, like, did you play live stickball and stuff like that? Or, did you know, like that kind of stuff? Or what did you guys do? Yeah, we played stickball, wiffle ball. played wiffle ball a lot in the summertime, um, right in front of the house with two sideways and, there's probably a core group of like ten of us that would come over and and play. I, I that was that's like the memory. Like you know, we get, when we get together now and we talk about stuff we did. That's you know the one that sticks out the most. Yeah. And we you know went to a lot of Phillies games in the summer. We yeah. Would, you know, our dad would take us, but then by the time you hit like eighth grade or ninth grade, and my I had an older brother, so we would take the we knew figured out how to take step to get, get to the game, and that that was cool. Yeah. Just to be able to, it would take like an hour and a half, but I mean, you felt cool being able to go to the Phillies game by yourself. Yeah, and you could stay the whole game if you wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as the train was running, it's fine. Yeah. Exactly. We get there early for autographs and then stay after for autographs when the players are pulling out a lot. And yeah, yeah. Was, I remember. It was a lot of fun. 
I remember being at the vet as a kid. I mean, this was before I was able to go by myself, but being at the vet and the kid waiting, waiting, waiting for like an hour after the game for autographs at the at the driveway and like getting like Mike Williams' autograph. And I was like, yeah. going nuts. This was like, oh my God, yeah. Mike Williams, he's going to be a star. <laughs> it was like Robert Person. I had like eight Robert Person autographs. I was like, all right, I really don't need your autograph anymore, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Robert Person. Uh, he had a great year in 2001, wouldn't you know? Come on. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, Okay, so you were, I mean, you were five, I guess, four or five when the 93 team did their thing. Do you remember at all that team, or was that, or like, what was the first, like, team that you really, like, remember? That, I have, like, a Rain Man-like memory, so that's, that really oh. is the first memory I have, and uh, I went to, my dad would took us to so many games that year, and, you know, we were at, it felt like we were at the vet every single day. You know, every yeah. weekend we were going down. I remember my mom and my sister went on vacation that summer to Pittsburgh, and, you know, my dad's got two boys at home. What else is he going to do besides went to three straight Phillies games? <laughs> all the, who were actually playing the Pirates that weekend? Uh, and I remember getting the um the, the clubhouse shirt when they won with the the Phillies logo going through the baseball diamond. Oh uh, yeah, at sure. the kindergarten the next day, and it was that was you know all I knew then was you know the Phillies were really good. Yeah, and uh, we had a lot of fun that summer going to. I would say you know realistically we probably went about thirty games, which is you know, a ton of games to go to, and always sitting in seven hundred level. Wow, wow. Were you were you at all sad when the Phillies lost the World Series? Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, it happened so late at night. So I I think I was awake for it, but I I kind of I probably fell asleep. Like I'm that's like the one memory I don't have exactly. Like I know like that what my dad how my dad reacted to it, but I don't remember like if I was actually up. My my memory from the playoffs is game, I think it was game one of the NLCS at the vet. My dad actually went to the game with his friend. So my mom let me and my brother stay up, you know, as long as we could. And I just remember Kurt Schilling striking out the side and I think the first two innings and watching yeah, that, yeah. you know, that's like the, that's probably the latest memory from the run that I have. But I just, it's just more like going to the game and always, you know, coming home from school in April and we're going to the game or, you know, going to the first Sunday game that year, and all, yeah. we get all the giveaways. It was like every giveaway that we, they gave away that year we went. It was, a, it was just that's definitely when the fanhood, you know, took over. You know, it was in kindergarten, a great introduction to baseball, probably the team that everybody loves the most, the '93 Phillies. So that's, that's where it definitely started. Yeah, that's a perfect introduction to the team. And like you said, the giveaways. And I remember as a kid going to the vet and going to, like, Kodak Photo Night, you know. Yeah. Like, like, like Roger McDowell, like, taking our pictures. You know, <laughs> like, like, you're like, dude, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing in the world. Like, did you did you have, like, growing up, were there, like, player autographs or any, like, players that you met or anything like that that was like, oh, my God, like, this is this going to be forever? Didn't meet anybody... Like on, well, you know what? No, I'm wrong. We we met like Kevin Stocker at a um an Acme. Uh, there you go. After the season, you know these guys. He had like an autograph signing at Acme. I remember we went to that. I was like, oh my god, isn't that Kevin Stocker? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Pina Cavilia was my favorite player for whatever reason. And uh, you know, we, me and my brother, we all had our own favorite guys, and that was that that was my guy. And okay, it was just stuff like that. You you look back, and it's funny. You you think about why you're you know, why you love baseball, and, I mean, that's definitely why, seasons like that. Did you know as a kid that you wanted to grow up to at least have some sort of a career in baseball of some sort, whether it's writing about the Phillies or being in the game or something like that? Was that was that your goal? 
Yeah, because I, I obviously was realistic. I knew I wasn't. You know, I said I was a bench warmer when my dad coached me. So I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to make the Phillies. But I loved, always loved to read. I always loved newspapers. Um, my mom would always, if we know, after especially in high school, we'd always stop at the Seven Eleven or the Wawa and get, you know, New York Post, New York Daily News, Inquirer Daily News, and come out with like my hands full with five newspapers. <laughs> and uh, as a kid, my dad would get the Daily News at work and make sure to bring it home. And uh, I was a paper boy for the Daily News. Oh, nice. So I, I was always surrounded by newspapers and reading about just really just the sports page. I was obsessed with reading sports. And um, it's before the Internet, so you really have to go out of your way to get these things. Yeah. And loved, like, you know, in the, it wasn't cartoons when I woke up in the morning as a kid. It was always Sports Center, you know, just on repeat, just, you know, yeah. especially in the summer, just, you know, catch it. Because remember, it would just run the same exact thing for an hour? Yes, from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Yeah. And they played the yeah. same sports center over and over yeah. again. You, you could, like, repeat what they were going to say. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was always – it was always the goal was to make this a reality. And, uh, you know, it, it is – you know, it's not – you. For, I forget sometimes how, like, you know, that's like, oh, I've got to go to work today. It's like, you're not really going to work. You're going to the Phillies game and you're yeah. doing what you always wanted to do. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, growing up, you know, I same kind of stuff as you. I would grow. I would get up in the morning and get the paper, and the first thing I would always do. I always loved the Sunday paper because it had Jason Starr's like entire pages of like yeah, baseball yeah. writing and stats, and you know all the rumblings and grumblings and the box score line of the week and that kind of. I mean, yeah. like that hooked me so hard into, oh, God, like, I just love baseball. I want to talk about every little stupid nuance about the game because of him. Like, he was the reason why I think it kind of got me to that level. Was 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 there any, like, was he that guy for you, or was there any writers that kind of inspired yeah. you growing up? I remember his Sunday page, and the one segment was, like, what are former Phillies doing around the league? Yeah. And that, I always loved that because that really was your only source to, you know, to catch up on. You know, what team Dave Holland is on or what Peter Gavili did this week, you know, playing for whoever he's on now. Yeah, right. And right. Uh, it was that. And then it hit me the first night of spring training. I, I This is my third year, third spring training down here. And Jason Stark texted me and it was like, hey, I have all of our BBWAA credentials. I brought them down because the guy who Kevin Cooney is like the chairperson wasn't here at the start of spring. So he sent them down with me to give out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason Stark was like, "Hey man, I heard you have the credentials. Could you know we meet up?" And he's staying right across the street from me down here. So I said, "Yeah, I'll be over." So I gave it to him. I called my dad afterward. I was like, "Because like I said, you I forget sometimes, you know, how cool this job is." Yeah. And I was like, "I just gave Jason Stark his BBWAA credential. I flew down here with Todd Zalecki. You know, I'm meeting up with Jim Salisbury tomorrow. You know, I work with Matt Gale. It's like." It's pretty crazy that all these people that, you know, in high school and college and as a kid, you read, yeah. and now it's like, wow, you know, you're you're on, not equal, but like that's, you know, you're, you're working with these people. And it, it's just, I mean, I don't know if it is like that for everybody, but for me, it's like, I'm on house money. You know, I just, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and it's this has always been the goal, and like to, you know, be doing it at 28 years old, I'm, you know, I'm not a fool. I know how lucky and fortunate I am. Yeah, I mean, sports writing you know, specifically is one of those occupations where I know a lot of sports journalists and if you're 28, you could still be doing high school stores, uh, high school stores at some, you know, local paper and you're not from that area and you're calling a coach every night and you're waiting for sure to get back to you and, you know, like that kind of crap. But, you know, yeah, it's definitely, you've, you've, you've 
found this amazing place to be part of, and then you obviously have the skill to do it, so it's pretty awesome. I wanted to ask real quick before we get to that about, I know you worked at the park uh, during sort of the glory years. So what was that all about? How did you get that job? What were you doing? Um, so in 07, my dad, my dad had been not trying to be an usher at a ballpark for like so long. I, I think it started in like 03. He was like, that'd be just a sweet, you know, part-time job, just an extra thing to do because we're, you know, loved going to the games already. So it's like, hey, if I can be an usher, that'd be pretty sweet side gig. And uh, he finally got in. So it took like four years to get in. He gets in in 07, does it for the second half of 07, goes to the playoffs, 08 World Series. And then I applied, me and my buddy applied in 08, and we got in in 09. And I did it for 9, 10, 11, and then quit. Right after I graduated college, I went to the Washington Post for an internship. Mm-hmm. So I had I had to you know quit that job and it was kind of getting in the way anyway. I, I was like in 2011 I I missed a lot of games just to, because a internship at the Enquirer was getting in the way of it. Mm-hmm. But to be there in '09 I didn't miss a game. That and you could miss I think up to 10 games, but I wanted to make a point to like not miss a game because I just thought it'd be cool to be at every single home game plus the playoff games. Yeah. And when you now it's not like you were going down there every night to see some crappy Phillies team. You're going down there to see one of the best Phillies teams of all time. Right in '09, it was just awesome. It was like, you know, you get, put me up top, put me in the 400 level where no one really cares. I mean, no one's like cares about what I'm doing. I can just, you know, watch the game, get the people to their seats, sit back and just watch, you know, an awesome Phillies team. And it was, it was fun. It was, it was especially in '08. I, I kept track of a pocket schedule of in my wallet, and we would. Me and my buddies would keep track of how many games we went to and what our record was at the ballpark. I think I ended up on like 40-something games, counting playoff games, road games, and home games. So think about how much money I spent in 08 to go to games. And in 09, I'm going to 80-whatever games, getting paid to be there, not spending any money. And it's like, all right, it's pretty sweet. I'm going to be here. I'm wasting my money. So now I'm going for free and getting paid. It's pretty sweet yeah. No, and, and plus, like you said, you're – walking people to their seats and you get to actually stand there and watch the game instead of yeah. you know, a lot of people who are like giving out food or they're behind yeah, the counter exactly. and, you know, in air mark station, they have to like, you know, not watch the game. So that, that's an I amazing. Stand still. Yeah. That's, that's your only job in life to stand still. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not much different from what you guys do now. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's, the yeah. thing about, that's, that's the thing about sports reporting is like, yeah, you're standing around, you're sitting down, but that actually is not good for you. Like, like, it's, like you guys have to find time to move around and do stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting that you guys have to do, which is, yeah, yeah. Um, let me, so, okay, so you went to, you went to Ryan for high school and then you went to Temple and obviously it sounds like you got an internship at the Enquirer right after, or during college. Uh, so was that kind of, how you found your way back to the Enquirer? Like, what, what was the what was the timeline from college? Yeah, so I graduated college in twelve. Um, I interned in the Enquirer from January of eleven to the end of uh, to twenty eleven, and I also had like a part time job at the Enquirer, answering phones in the high school department mm-hmm. that I did all through college. So after my internship was up, you know, the five months before I graduated, <clears throat> I still did that, and um, so I, you know, I still was everybody. I was still in touch with the editors and stuff like that, even though I wasn't technically an intern anymore. And then that segue to the Washington Post um, that started in June of 12 
And then at the end of August 12th, I, I, I mean, it was awesome, the work of the Washington Post. It's, you know, one of the best newspapers in the country. But I love, I mean, I love being in Philly. I love being home. I love, you know, everything just about living in Philadelphia. So it was cool to write for the Washington Post, but I was like, I just didn't feel like a, a pride. That, like, I, I just didn't feel like I was writing about things I cared about mm-hmm. or I wasn't writing for people I knew. Like, it's just something about, like, writing about the Phillies knowing, you know, your your buddies are going to read it or your dad's going to read it or, your you know, your grandmom gets the paper sent to her house or, or you go to a Wawa and people are picking up the stuff you wrote. And it's like, oh, like, you know, I don't know anybody that reads Washington Post. <laughs> people are like, yeah, it's really cool, but it's like, I don't know. It's not right in front of you. I know. Yeah. I don't care about the Wizards or you know, the Redskins. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it was – so I, I just – I wanted to come home, and there was, like, some, like, part-time job that, like, uh, I don't – that the company was doing. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do that. It wasn't even sports. I was like, if it works out, it works out. And then my boss, my old sports editor at the Inquirer, called me up with like two weeks ago, and he goes, "Hey, we got a full time high school job, and uh, you know, would you want to do it?" I was like, "Holy crap, this is perfect!" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And I just, you know, I went home and interviewed for it. Came back, told the Washington Post, I was like, "Hey," and the one editor was trying to push me to, you know, pursue a full time job at the Post. And uh, I was like, "You know, I just got a full time job at the Inquirer." And I got to go home. They, they let me um, leave a week early. Started there at the end of August in 2012, and then did high school for a couple of years. And then uh, February, Gelb left the beat. Right before the 15 season, Jake Kaplan, who was at the Daily News, he came over to work at the Inquirer to cover the Phillies, and I was Jake's backup. Pulled off of high schools to do that, and uh, I just stayed on since. Wow. And now Gelb came back, obviously. And so how does it work with you and Gelb now? Because I know the Daily News Inquirer and the website are all kind of in the same newsroom. So how do, how do you guys work doing the Phillies? Are you guys both going on road trips and stuff like that? Like, how does that job work? We, we split up. He he takes the majority of the road trips. Uh, if I did the math, it's probably like 65, 35 with okay. road trips. Um, we're never in the same city besides opening day for road trips. Uh Home games once in a while we'll be there together, but we kind of split that up. And it's just a it's a nice balance where, you know, he doesn't have to be at every single game, or you know, I can you know give him a break when he needs to, and then it allows us both to work on features and Sunday stuff. Uh, the minor league report is something we do every week, so we kind of split that up, and it's great. I mean, working with him, I don't you know I don't I can take a back seat to him. He's like the you know I think he's the greatest baseball writer right now i just so to learn from him and to work with him for me is like it's incredible well and also you know gelb is great i I read his stuff all the time read your stuff all the time but it, it, the whole beat writing sort of community right now in philadelphia is really strong i don't think there's much of a weak link right now in the group and it really doesn't seem to be for too long if there is you know it seems like all the time all the papers all the websites have someone really strong covering the Phillies. You must be learning off of everybody when you're out there. Yeah, and and as competitive as people are, it's, you couldn't, you know, ask for people to be any nicer either. <clears throat> like Jim Salisbury and Tom Zalecki and uh, Ryan Lawrence. And, you know, these guys are just give you any advice and help you out, especially my first year when, you know, you don't know where to go or you don't know, you know, how to talk to people and how to approach things. And, it's just a, it's a really nice group of people to work with, and 
you know, you can you learn from everybody and just you you know, you read everybody, you ask questions, tell people, I oh, you know, I like the way you wrote that or that was a really good quote, how'd you get that? So it's always it's always it's a great group and across all the sports really, but you know, working with the Phillies guys and every day you're picking up something new. Yeah. Now, what's it like being a, a, beat, a beat writer for the Phillies when you grew up rooting for the Phillies? Because obviously you got to find a way to be objective and you don't want any biases to creep in. Or maybe you do. Maybe there's like part of what you're doing and part of your past that kind of are able to meld together. But how does it work for you? Are you able to sort of separate the two when you can? And, and you know, was it hard for you to do that? Yeah, it honestly wasn't. It it happened, like, on its own. In 20, like I, I said, I was an inquiry intern in 2011 and uh, for the whole year. And it just became so invested in what I was doing then, you know, with high school sports and, like, small college football, um, college, small college basketball, just, like, all that kind of niche things, boxing. The things I was writing about that, you know, you just I kind of, like, just naturally moved away from the Phillies and, like, even really following the Phillies in 2011. It was like I wow. just got so obsessed with what I was doing, and you just naturally stopped becoming a fan. And it just, like, my, you know, my older brother makes fun of me all the time. It like, used to be, you know, you were the kid that swept outside the ballpark to get tickets in 07. You know, now you're, you're not even a Phillies fan anymore? And it's like, no, not really. Like, I just, it just you just naturally lose it, and you have to lose it. You can't. You know, I couldn't do this job with the same mentality I had 10 years ago. That was, a, you know, a Phillies nut. You just, I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, Phillies history and stuff like that, but I don't, like, if they lose tonight, I'm not like, oh, man, you know, Phillies <laughs> lost. It's like, I don't care. you got to write the story and, you know, do it my job that way. But it, it really just honestly yeah. happened on its own. I just, next thing you know, you pick your head up and, you know, tw- like when they lost in 2011 in the playoffs, it didn't. It didn't sting the way that they lost in '09. It was just like I was at work actually when they lost, and watched, you know, I watched a little bit of the game. But I remember leaving work that night. It was just, it was weird. It was two years from '09 to '11. It was like a whole different mentality, and I just, I think that's what you really need to have. Is, is, is it? Do you still though, like, sort of root for some of the players because of their stories and because of how the kind of relationships that you build with some of those guys? Is there anybody in the clubhouse that you're like? I hope that they do well. I mean, I'm sure you hope everybody in the world does well because that's just human nature. But is is that still part of the sports reporting for you, is that you do hope that some of these guys, you know, have successful careers and that kind of stuff? Definitely. I mean, you you know, you get to know these guys on a personal level and, you know, especially you write about them, you know, when they're in the minor leagues and coming up and you see what they overcome to get here, like, you know, see Tommy Joseph have a great year last year. It's like, you know, that's awesome. I, a year ago, I was talking to him and drove up the strand to talk to him when he was with the Iron Pigs. And, you know, he just got all his back from his latest concussion. He's trying to learn to play first base. It's like, I'm writing a story and talking to him. And you're kind of thinking, this this guy is probably done. And then a year later, he's hitting 20 homers in the majors, and he's got his life back on track. And it's like, yeah, of course. And he's, you know, the nicest guy in the world. So, of course, guys like him, Freddie Galvis, another guy that couldn't be, you know, more welcoming my first year on the beat, uh, Andres Blanco, great guy, Brock Stasi, who, you know, is trying to make the team now, and it's like you can't not root for that guy or, you know, hope that he does well. But you just you try to keep it, like, just because, you know, X is a nice guy, it's not going to – you can't, like, you know – 
be not fair and balanced in your reporting and writing. Um, but but last question, and I know that you and Gail do a lot of sort of history stuff from time to time. You said you like Philly's history. Is there any is there any period in Philly's history, any team, anything like that, that sort of more interesting to you than others as you kind of look back from time to time? Um, probably like '64. I got really into the, you know that '64 collapse when I was in college. Uh, we had a couple of books at the Temple Library um, about the '64 Philly and about Dick Allen. And I went on eBay and got like Dick Allen's autobiography and just read as much about Dick Allen and Johnny Calston and 64 Phillies as I could. And, and probably that was the team my dad, you know, if I had the 93 Phillies as a kid, he has the 64 Phillies mm-hmm. when he was young and Dick Allen and Calston were his guys. And you always heard about like, growing up about Richie Allen and Johnny Calston. But, you know, to go back when I was in college and dig into that myself and, you know, read books and old newspaper clippings. And then, you know, I, one of my when I was an intern, I sat at a boxing fight with Stan Hockman, who was the Daily News beat writer in '64. Yeah. So first of all, I'm like, you know, sitting next to Stan Hockman. Is yeah, cool. He was a legend. So it's also my chance to talk, pick his brain about the '64 Phillies, and you know, told me everything, all this, you know, stories behind the scenes stuff, and that's always a team, a historical team that you know, obviously you didn't watch, but a team I, I just I tried to learn as much as I could, and you know, read. There's it's just a lot of interesting things that happened that year. And, and how good that team really was, and you know, you know, if they win the pennant that year, that's a team that's celebrated in Philadelphia history forever. And it's a shame what happened. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the 2008 title helped a little bit in, in getting people to sort of exercise those demons and think more sure. about how good they were. Um, but they had great stories. I mean, Allen himself was an amazing story, and and uh yeah it's really cool to look back at that kind of stuff and uh, hopefully as time goes by in the future we can look back at some of your pieces and say oh wow yeah. how about how about that great Cesar Hernandez and the crazy stuff he was doing in 2017 yeah. <laughs> that 2017 Phillies team that shocked the world that's right <laughs> played 500 <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to reading your stuff through the year and, of course, uh, hopefully into the future. Hopefully you stay around. Uh, Matt Breen, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, and good luck. Thank as you. you continue Thank your you. job, man. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Tim. I really appreciate it. Back on the podcast from Mike Sadowski. We talked to earlier about opening day. And since it is opening day, let's talk about the season here, the 2017 Phillies again and what they're going to do this year. And We did some predictions on philliesnation.com on Saturday we kind of think the Phillies are going to be mediocre, uh, a little bit less than mediocre, 74 to 77 wins. I think all of us are in that range. Mike, you were on the 77 line, so a little bit higher than most of us. Is that is this, is this just we kind of know what this team's going to be this year? This is the most sort of bland prediction ever because we, we see what we have in front of us and it's not really that exciting or less exciting. We just know what we have. Yeah, I think we know what we have. Uh, and that's fine. For where this team is and where this franchise is and for how it was just decimated by, by 2012, 2013, that's fine. This is where we're supposed to be. This is where the Phillies should be at this point in their rebuild. And it's a rebuild. There's no getting around it. And I'm, I'm sorry that every team in Philadelphia is going through a rebuild at the same time, <laughs> but that's where we are. We're at the, If we get... I, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, for 81 wins. I'm hoping 500. If, if they're 500, I consider this season an absolute positive success. Um, and, but 
yeah, we're it's going to be 70, 75, 76, 77 wins, we, we think. And my thing is that I, I think there's more – there's more probability that it can go on the downside of that than the yeah. upside, but I'm I'm hoping that 81 wins and we go into 2018 feeling a little bit better. Maybe 81 wins. I think everyone says, "Oh, what's that get you?" 500. Well, 81 wins gets you a little bit more respectability and a little more leeway into possibly signing a free agent in the off season that's going to be able to come in and help, and not not Michael Saunders, not Clay Buckholes, but someone actually of legitimate merit and value that would be able to start turning this team around to the next level. Yeah. Well, I think for 81 wins to happen this year, there a couple of things are going to have to bounce their way. They're going to have to get some luck, but also some really great performances in our predictions. You actually said that Michael Franco was going to make the all-star team. He would be the Phillies representative. So you apparently seem to be bullish on him and Aaron Nola, who uh, you predicted had the most wins. So to me, it sounds like you think he's going to be relatively effective uh, are those two guys kind of the key for you? You think they're going to have big years? Yeah, and I, I think Michael Franco. I really, the, there's more at stake with his success to the success of this franchise than anyone else on this team. Um, I, I, for if he turns into the player that we want him to be, not that even we think he can be, because I don't know if anyone really thinks, but if the, if he turns into the player we want him to be, and that is thirty home runs. Between 30 and 35 home runs and 110 RBIs and 350 on base percentage, if he turns into that player, then the Phillies' rebuild will be hastened. Um, if he's the 750 OPS guy that he's been for the, that he was for last year, and that he, and it's not like it was a small sample size either. Every month he was right around like 780, 750 OPS. I mean, if if he's 750 OPS, then he's an average player. Right. Uh, but he and this team is not going to progress as fast as want because it's going to probably have to hit Franco number. They they have him penciled in as a number four guy for the next ten years. Well, that's not going to happen if he's at a 750 OPS. So I mean, he's they're going to have to. He's the one guy on this on this franchise who can really just elevate himself to the point where he can take a team on his back. And I'm worried he's not going to be that guy. But I'm. When I say he's going to make the All-Star team, maybe that's just more wishful thinking or wishful hoping and praying. <laughs> but I'm hoping he comes out of the gate and just really blows the doors off. Maybe he did a lot of work in the offseason to get ready for this. Um, and I think he's got a little more help around him this year than he did last year because last year he really had nothing. I mean, it you, you would really feel like watching him last year. He would go a good two weeks without seeing a pitch to hit, and he'd start oh, yeah. getting so I really hope there were a lot of talks with him this year about being more patient, being the kind of guy who can get the team to that next level. And unless he's able to be a little more patient and unless he's able to wait for his pitch, it's not going to happen. But if he does, and I'm hoping he does, and I don't see why he can't hit 35 home runs. And I'm, my prediction was that he hopefully comes out of the gate and hits 20 home runs by the all-star break and makes a team. Well, I think there's definitely a possibility. I think there's a possibility he could be very average, like you said. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're still kind of juries out on him, and this is the year we have to figure that out. As for Nola, same deal, I think. You know, he's uh, at a place where we need to see if he's healthy, and then we need to see if he's going to be effective again and not the guy he was in July of last year. But you seem to be like, okay, he's going to have a good year. I, I just look at his peripherals, and they were really good last year. And when he was, when he was pitching normal, uh, I'd – no one knows why he was trying to 
pitched through that injury he had, but it was it was sad, sad to watch. It was horrible to watch um, those last like three, four starts that he had in in, in June. Uh, but those first two months he had, he was one of the like peripheral wise and stat wise, he was one of like the ten or fifteen best pitchers in the National League. Yeah, um, and if he if he can keep that up, if if that's the real Aaron Nola, then he's a legit number two guy. The the, the franchise doesn't have a, a number one prospect, a number one type uh, uh, pitcher in their system. Yeah, not in the um, high level at least. But yeah. Aaron, right, and, and Aaron Nola is probably the best that they're going to get, the closest to that, and he's, he's going to be a number two. But he can be a really good number two, and every team needs that. And every team that's going to be in the playoffs is going to need that. They can find that number one. They're going to have enough talent where they can figure it out and try and get to pick up a guy somewhere who's a number one. But if Aaron Nola is the best we're going to do at number two, that's fine. But he's just I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see him get 28 starts. They're going to, he's going to have an injury at some point. It's just what happens, and so obviously it's what's going to be happening with him for a while. Um, so, I mean, but if he can make 28 starts and then win 14 games, which I think is what he's going to do, I think they can be pretty successful. And once he get when, when he gets fully healthy and when he gets to the point where he can throw eight innings a game and when he can throw 220 innings, that's when this team is really going to be successful. Yeah, they'll definitely need a couple performances like that. Nola goes on Friday at the home opener against the Nationals. Velasquez right. goes Saturday. Uh, and as far as today, because they're playing the Reds, first game of the year, Jeremy Hellickson on the bump. Do you have a prediction? Can you put one out there about what happens in today's game? I, I think Cincinnati is going to be a really bad team. Uh, they just I, they really don't. It's like Joey Votto and Space Cadets. Um, they, they really don't have much. And I'd take the Phillies rebuild over Cincinnati's rebuild any day. Um, but right I... I yeah, I think that I, I think that uh, I'd like to see Hellickson go out there and have a pretty good game, seven innings, four hits, one run, and the Phillies win two one because okay. let's hope that J Mark just doesn't blow. Doesn't I was going to say J going to blow the game in the ninth inning. I hope you know. That. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it happening. Let's let's just leave it at that. But and I, I, I really I wouldn't. I would not feel bad at all about him blowing the game because I'd like to see him blow three <laughs> games in the first two weeks so that we can start with the with the the Hector Neris era. Yeah, we're, we're, we are Phillies. We're Phillies up. fans through and through because we we're, we'd be happy for a blown save in the first game of the season against the bad well, team. Jeez, if that's the only thing that's going to get him out of the closer spot where he has no business being. <laughs> For then a, fine. For like a seventy-five win team, Mike. For like, <laughs> <laughs> well, would have been. See, that's where my prediction for seventy-eight would have been. There's these three games that Gomez is going to blow in the first two weeks. That would be it, right there. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, I hope you have fun watching today, and uh, we'll see you hopefully at the home opener. Mike Sadowski, PhilliesNation.com. Thanks for coming on to talk about the Phils. Thanks, Tim. Want to thank Mike Sadowski for coming on and talking opening day in the Phillies with me. Also want to thank Matt Breen for coming on and talking about his Phillies fandom as a child and what he's doing today. Of course, he's at the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philadelphia Daily News, and Philly.com. Read his stuff. He's awesome. Want to thank bensound.com for the music for the podcast. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Phillies Nation. Follow us on Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore Facebook.com slash Phillies Nation. Again, you can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and at YouTube at YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. 
Opening day baseball getting going, starting in a few hours here. 4.10 p.m., Phillies and Reds, a whole bunch of games after that this week. We'll see you next Monday at the Phillies Nation podcast where we talk about one week of Phillies baseball. We're already getting going. Unbelievable, huh? For the Phillies Nation podcast, I'm Tim Malcolm. See you next time.